Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 326. <coughs> Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. Wow, Julius, you got a really good voice there. Why, thank you, Albert. Why, thank you very much. All this time I've been making fun of your voice. Yes. I've been torturing <laughs> my children of late that we are coming into this winter storm here across the U.S. And it is really cold and rainy. And so my kids keep asking, what's the weather today? And there's an old kid's song that, is, that it goes, what's the weather? What's the weather? What's the weather like today? And we used to play it as a kid, and they play it in school sometimes. And so I'm torturing them by singing that at the top of my lungs during car drop, uh, carpool drop-off on the school mornings. <laughs> I bet they like that. Uh-huh. But we are not having a board game about weather today. We're having a board game about animals. That's right. Because it's... Last year was the year of the animal, kind of, wasn't it? So this, yeah, this year is too there's late, but we could fit it in. We could fit it in. This is the game this year, this <sighs> week, is New York Zoo, which, who made that one? Isn't that, um... Uve. Good old Uwe. Good old Uve. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I don't know too much about this game, but if I remember right, it brings a ton of animeeples, doesn't it? It does. It has a whole bunch yeah. of animeeples in the box, and it also has tiles, because sort of at its core is going to be a polyomino game. You are trying to make a zoo by laying out polyominal enclosures and also you know rides and things across your zoo. And then you'll be selecting animeeples to fill those polyominoes in order to be able to allow you to grab more polyominoes. And you keep going around the board until someone fills up their zoo and it's a race to be the first person to fill up the zoo. Ah, uh, okay. So you got competing zoos. Yes, all in New York. Not not anything okay. we're familiar with. <laughs> no, yeah, we just have one little zoo here. No, no, no space for competition. Actually, we got two, I guess. There's a a place not too far away that that rescues animals, a zoo sort of place. So they got like old lions from like different movies and stuff like that, and old hippos and old whatever. <laughs> well, I'm sure your zoo is not as good as our zoo. Probably not. <laughs> it's a small it's a small town. It's definitely no New York Zoo, that's for sure. I hear that. Tell us, you gave us a summary. Tell us about those components some more, because there's a lot of meeples. A lot of meeples. There are a lot of meeples. Let me just start off by talking about the meeples. So there are a, a ton of meeples. First, there's a giant elephant meeple, and the elephant meeple is going to be what you're using to go around this rondelle, which is used to select which meeples is that you're getting or which tiles that you're getting. There's also a whole bunch of animal meeples that you'll actually put on your boards. There are meerkats, flamingos, kangaroos, penguins, and foxes. Um, now, we've actually added a little bit of extra bling to our ones. We bought little stickers to go on all of the mm. meeples to make them even cuter. Um, but <laughs> even alone, the meeples are all really nice. They're good-sized meeples. They're, to portray what it is, they're very different colors between one of them and all immediately recognizable as what they are with maybe the minor exception of the kangaroo, which when you look at it, you might think you're looking at a weird bunny rabbit <laughs> on its side or something. And it's well at its front because it's, it's facing to the left. And unlike, you know, the penguins, even though it faces to the left, it 
only has one leg because essentially it's facing the left, so it's two legs are in line. And then it's mm-hmm. got a tail. But if you don't realize what you're looking at, you might think that the tail is like a curvy, wavy leg and that it just it's a bunny rabbit that needs some help. Oh. <laughs> I remember when I opened I'm like, what are the oh and then I saw the picture and I said, Oh, those are the kangaroos. <laughs> Poor little kangaroos. Are are you sure the kangaroos are not wallabies? I'm sh- well, I mean, they're labeled as kangaroos. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yes. So it has a whole bunch of meeples. In addition, it's got the um, different enclosure tiles, and these are all very generic type things. All of them have a little grid that goes across them. And so there are all sorts of different polyomino shapes, and these are basic Tetris, and then just expand it on from there with additional pieces between ranging between uh, four size enclosures. So they have four cubes worth of stuff, which again, that's what a Tetris piece would have, all the way to the highest one where it has seven pieces, seven spaces, excuse me. And so again, all sorts of different shapes. And so those polyominoes are going to be what you're putting on your board. Speaking of which, there are these double-sided boards that everyone is going to be using. The boards range across different player counts and different sizes, frankly. Uh, When you have smaller player counts over the course of the game, you're going to have more opportunity to grab animals and more opportunity to grab enclosures. So your zoo boards are bigger. If smaller player counts, there's going to be less enclosures that everyone has access to. So everyone's individual boards are smaller. So they actually have big green spaces printed on the boards to shrink the amount of available space and thus make the game happen not sooner, but sooner in terms of individual turns. So everyone's going to need less turns to fill out their board. So that's why it takes so many different boards to all have them. Now then those boards, they're thin. They're just thin pieces of paper. They're not paper. They're durable mm-hmm. paper, like cardstock card paper. Stock, yeah. But it's not chipboard. You know, if if you're familiar with, you know, Castles of Burgundy, the original one. So those ones have that similar flat, the just thin styles. It's not heavy duty, um, which I, I would have liked for them to be a bit more heavy duty than they are. But I understand there have to be eight of them there in order to be able to have all those stuff be present. So it's nice for them to be involved. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, this game is not too expensive, and I'm sure that's part of why right there, right? It possibly could be. Then there is the action strip, which is actually a neat little thing. It's got a central bit, and then it's got like a bunch of wings sticking off of it. And in between each of the wings, you'll fill those with those enclosures that we're talking about. And the idea is the elephant is going to go from wing to wing to wing to wing, and or technically from space to space to space. If he passes over a space with an enclosure, or if he lands rather on a space with an enclosure, you can take the top enclosure from the stack. If he lands on a space with an animal, you get to take two meeples from the meeple area to add to your enclosures or or into your house, your animal houses. Um, there are attraction tiles, which are a bonus tile that you get over the course of the game, and there's different sorts of ones. These are the rides that I think most zoos have, at the very least our local zoo has. So they're rides, they're popcorn stands, they're things like that. Um, they're They're fine. <laughs> Uh, they're they're not cool. They don't look neat. Like I remember the the pictures on Steam Park 
which is a robot-themed amusement park game. The yep. rides were cool. These rides are... They're not... There's nothing just, cool about it. You're not going to be riding They're just regular old seat. rides. Yeah. yeah, just regular I mean, they're not, they're not the focus of the game, really. Anyway, it's, it's about animals at the zoo. They are not the focus of the game, but I'm not going to be giving any points for art for the game. <laughs> okay. It could have been... It could have been cool. You could have given cool-looking rides. But they chose, you know, real-life, boring-looking rides. Mm-hmm. You know, the art, in a way, reminds me of uh, Alhambra, the game, which is, at this age, they kind of, well, it's isometric, and the images are pretty small. Yeah, they're and small. They're pretty, but nothing special. Yeah, I mean, these are not even pretty. You don't think so? I think they look just fine. I think they're they're attractive in a... Yeah, they're fine. I, I, I think they're not unattractive. Yes, I'd say they're they neutral. They're not attractive. They're not unattractive. They are entirely neutral. There's nothing. There's no draw to the art of the game. Mm-hmm. Because because there's nothing new here. It's just your typical kind of simple little picture. Yeah. You know, again, 20 years ago when Hamburg came out, that was really pretty and it was very different. But now, nowadays, it's it's old art. <laughs> Um, there are also some backup animal tiles. So if you run over mm-hmm. animal meeples, you can replace them with animal tiles. Then there is a question mark token. So very common for polyomino games. You pick up a piece and you say, hey, now that I'm holding this in my hand, it doesn't fit where I thought it was going to be. The question mark token is a specific token that you can use to pick up and assess if you want an actual token. So you put it on the space where you picked up the token from, so you remember where you picked mm-hmm. it up from. A very handy token to have in my game when I play with people that like to analyze stuff forever and don't have the spatial awareness to be able to look at a tile and figure out whether or not it works. Yep, and this, this is a common thing in a lot of Uwe Rosenberg's uh, um, polyonimal-type games, right? Because I remember the same thing in Spring Metal, for example. Oh, I'm not familiar with it in any of the other ones. I think ones. it's a compass or something. And, and if you pick up the tile, because the positions of all the tiles matter in the game, in the setup, it, you want to make sure, or maybe maybe it was in Spring Meadow. Yeah, it was Spring Meadow or Cottage Garden. Both of those, you're picking up a piece from a board and trying to figure out if you're going to use it. And when you want to put it back, you want to remember where you got it from. And like you said, you, if it, you're going to take a while because you're flipping the piece and turning it around and all that. By the time you're done, you don't remember where it came from. Especially Shrug. if it's on a board with a bunch of other very similar pieces. <laughs> Shrug. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's not been it's not been a particular issue with me, but then I'm aware that I do not have aphantasia, that my wife does have aphantasia. So, you know, different strokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that that's there. Indeed. I, it is so useful. Jumping back to the player boards, are there different are all the player boards the same? All the, those cardstock boards, or are there differences at all? As mentioned, there are differences because there's different sizes based on player count, and there's slightly different sizes based on player order. So theoretically, there's an advantage for going first, which is mitigated by additional bonuses, whether it's additional houses, uh, essentially starting enclosures, or just a smaller size board at the later player turns. So the first player to go will have a less nice board than someone who goes last or someone but who you goes don't, first. You don't have a choice. Like it's I could pick from from board A or board B. They're basically 
every time you play your first with a three-player game, it's always the same board. No. And again, they're all just basic generic art. There's yeah. no cool art to them. All right. Sorry to sidetrack you there. I'm sure you're very sorry. I don't believe you. <laughs> a little sorry. So, um, moving on along. Um, oh, the last couple of components is the solo components, which are just a set of numbers. And we'll get back to that again. Um, are those tiles or? or they're tiles. <laughs> okay. They're a set they're of numbers, numbers printed on tiles. Okay. They're not just numbers area in the world. <laughs> it's know. not like, just imagine the numbers. <laughs> All you said no. was the last component is numbers. Yeah, it's just a, t- it's, it's a couple squares <laughs> with numbers printed on them. Okay. Nothing nothing cool to it. So, it. I mean, for the most part, like the, the game is set. It's supposed to be, it feels like it's New York Zoo from like 50 years ago or something like that. And I think that's kind of what the theme is supposed to be. Like, this is the establishment of New York Zoo. And so mm-hmm. it's like a 50-year-old zoo. And so it's not cool and modern and hip and awesome. But on the other hand, it's not displeasing. Everything is fine. The art is just not awesome. There's not really amazing, cool art. It's got a whole bunch of animeeples. And the animeeples are nice. I like a bunch of animeeples in my game. They're chunky. They're not illustrative, but they're they're nice. They have a good presence to them. I think they're a ton better with the with the stickers. I'm really glad that the mm-hmm. stickers exist. So I'm glad I have those. But even without them, I think that the the meeples are fine. I just don't think you're going to be winning any awards for the components <laughs> in this game. That's, yeah. that's essentially you know, what it is. And you're talking about the art, I really do like the look of the box. That I think that art's really pretty. The color the art of the box. Yeah, it just looks really nice. You're saying with a somewhat suspicious looking flamingo, and yeah, tired looking kangaroo. Yeah, that kind of almost looks like a bear. Honestly, in that picture, they 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 all look like they're waiting around for somebody to build them a zoo, <laughs> just hanging out in a swamp somewhere. But I, I like I like how it looks. I like it a lot. I don't disagree. It is a nice piece of art. I, I'm just put it doesn't it doesn't blow me away. So that's all I'm saying is I don't have any problems with it, but I don't have any particularly high praise for it. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> so that is the components. I assume you don't have any other comments on that? I do they I don't remember you mentioning it, but it looks like there's a little tray that comes in the box for the meeples or something. Oh, that is a good point. I guess we should consider that as a component. The box has an inner box um, to hold all of your meeples. It is a very handy inner box to have <laughs> because you just take out the inner box to use the meeples. And then you can just pass it around as you're playing if somebody's at the other end of the table, you know. If I trusted anybody else, yes. What I usually <laughs> do is I just designate one player to be like, hey, grab and pass. You're the banker. <laughs> Yeah, you're the banker. That's how it usually <laughs> happens. And so occasionally someone will reach over and grab it, but it's usually there's a designated person. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a nice nice looking little plain little box. Even the out even that box has art on the outside of it and whatnot. So it's yeah, it's, it's a handy thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did Is forget it, about that component. Though. But if but if you have that, I mean, are the meeples are loose in the box? Are they going to get scattered in the bigger box? 
or is it a all fit snugly in there? It fits in. There's a there's the cardboard insert, the cardboard layout thing inside the box leaves room open for that cardboard box. So when okay. you're done with the game, you scoop all the meeples back in, throw it into that box, and put that box in the box. And everything's snug, so if you store your game upright, you're not going to find little animals scattered throughout the... I don't recommend storing your game upright without printing off a box for the box. Okay. Gotcha. But you can print off... There's there's available in BGG a printable box for the box, a box lid for the box. So put a mm-hmm. box lid on the box, and then you will close the box, put it in the box, and then close the box, and then put the box on the shelf. I need to look into these 3D printer thingies, huh? That's not 3D printing. That's oh, a it's printer. A, oh, a paper, paper fold. Yes, that's paper craft. I am a paper crafter. Yeah. You're also a print, a 3D printer, aren't you? Yeah. I don't own a 3D printer, but I, I do occasionally you, okay. dabble at other people's 3D prints. Oh, <laughs> okay. Huh. But the stuff I do by hand, my, the ones that I create, I create paper craft stuff. Gotcha, yeah. And that is a nice-looking lid, too. Look at that. I didn't hm. make it. No. You built yours, but you didn't. Yeah, gotcha. I'll, I'll be quiet. On to the rules, then. So, Albert, the, the rules are perfectly fine. Uh, they explain how it is that you play through the game. They pick you out through all of it. The game is not a particularly complex thing, but I was certainly able to understand the rules as I was doing. I was able to understand how to play. It goes through with just enough detail. I would say that there is maybe just a small rule that I missed. Um, part of the thing that there's like a little Uve giving a hint at a couple times throughout the course of the game. And I, I, it would have been nice if the rule that I missed was called out with an Uve, like, hey, don't miss this rule. <laughs> But on the other hand, I'm sure like a lot of people have missed rules in playing through games. You can't call out every oh, yeah. single rule like that. Otherwise, it won't make sense. So I managed to miss something, but I don't think that's anything on the rules. The rules, it, it yeah. listed it right there for me. I mean, for me, that's par for the course. If I play a game and don't get any rules wrong the first time through, then there's something wrong with that game. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It probably just means it's a really <laughs> simple game. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I just I missed I missed one, played a whole game with it. I was like, you know, we have a whole lot more animals than I should, because it wasn't limiting how many times you can have whatever, and I'll get to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, otherwise the rules are perfectly fine. They explain how you play the game. Works great. I was gonna say, I mean, Lookout Games has has made a ton of games with Uve. Right by now, they they've got the whole rule making process down pat. But this isn't actually not published by them. We didn't mention. No, it, this is this published. Was... Uh, it's the people with the cup. The cup. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. So let me see. Here's a list: Capstone Games, Hobby World, Grok Games, Cranial Creations. Cranial Creations. Okay. That's the one. But other ones too. Yes. But the one that I have is Cranio Creations, although I, I do note that the one online is Fewerland. So I'm not sure how that happened. That's Well, that's probably the original publisher. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works, really. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it is not Lookout Games, which was my assumption, it being a Uwe Rosenberg game. I think he's part owner of that company. I don't know that. I, I sort no of idea. Assumed. Yeah, no idea. Anyway, so, oh, yeah, no. Albert, let's talk about the oh. theme. Actually... Fearland was published was a publisher was founded by Frank Heeren and Uwe Rosenberg. So this is his company. Huh. 
Look at that. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, sidetrack there again. Julius, tell me about the theme. <laughs> They're animals, and you're making a zoo. Ah, okay. <laughs> does it does it feel thematic? I mean, you're you're making a zoo with old fashioned rides. Assuming you're not a curmudgeonly wife of mine who says things like, you know, animals don't really give birth like this. Um, Yeah, it's perfectly fine. There's animals. You put them in enclosures. You try and treat them nice and they make babies. Mm-hmm. So, In her defense, if I remember correctly, she she does work in a medical profession and has experience with births and whatnot. I mean, she has children. And she has children also. That's right. So, yes, she has some experience with birth. That is no <laughs> excuse to be curmudgeonly. Stop it. <laughs> it's just a game for crying out loud. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, they're animals. You're putting them in a zoo. Like, the theme is basic enough that the fact that the animals exist and are cute little animals sells the themes. Mm. So, yeah, um, actually, you're right. The, the cute factor is, is a lot right there. Yeah, that's a big draw. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I've considered this game more than once because of the meeple specifically. I, I, would reason, s- I would say if you're getting it, you must get the stickers. That's just my okay. recommendation. The game, the game feels so much cuter with those stickers. I, I know it's an extra expense. It makes the game much more expensive. But in my opinion, it's really worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the gameplay, Albert. How about that? Okay, okay let's do that. Yep. All right. I'm going to... Well, how about this, Albert? Should I discuss the solo play version or the multiplayer first? I mean, we could talk about the solo play and just forget multiplayer. Cool. So (laughs) when you're playing solo, again, you have the central... The rondel thingy? Rondel, thank you. The central (laughs) rondel. I am getting Which is not really round. It's a long dell, really. I don't think rondel has to be round. I don't think think i know uh, whatever you have the central long dell and again you place the animals around or excuse me you place the enclosures around the central rondel all of them around are going to be a bunch of stacks of three and then some of the spots uh, sort of interspersed around that rondel are going to be spots with animals now the animals are pictured so there aren't actual enclosures so you won't run out of animals but they're at a spot you know, a set and measured amount of time, one per board, which both means that the animals will always be there. Nobody can snipe an animal from you. You'll know when it's going to come up, but then someone else can rush around and skip over that animal. Mm-hmm. The way it works is there's going to be the elephant. On your turn, you get to pick any space between one and three ahead of wherever the elephant is and place the elephant there and then get that thing. So either you're selecting a space with an enclosure and placing it on your board, or you're selecting a space with an animal and placing it on your board. If you are selecting a space with an enclosure, you must fill it with an animal. The animal can either come with an enclosure that already has enough animals to split off. So it it has to be an enclosure that has at least two animals, and you'll take one and put it on your brand new enclosure. Or you can take it from an empty from a house that you have. Um, each of the boards has a certain number of houses, like let's say three, that when you take an animal and at the start of the game, you get some spare animals and you put them at the houses. 
And those are sort of like animals that are just ready to move into enclosures when they're available to, and it's, it's sort of like held in hand type thing. So you must put the enclosures in that space. Um, you can put up to two animals when you move it. Um, yeah, you can put up to two animals when you move it. It is advantageous to put two animals in an enclosure because each enclosure will occasionally make babies. Around the board, there are slots that show there's baby-making time. When it gets around for baby-making time, if you have an enclosure with two of those, you get to make a baby. Um, a new animal will come out to that. Everyone is limited when this happens for how many babies it is that you can make of this. This was the mistake that I made. There's a limit of how many babies you can make at a time. So you can't fill up all your enclosures with two of them and then make all of them. There's a limit to how many it is that you can make. Oops. Mm -hmm. Is, it, is <laughs> so, that limit like per type of animals or just like five per, per each round? It's, like no, it's, it's, it's one. one. It's generally just one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so each time a, a baby making turn comes up, you can make one baby of your choice. Uh, no, it's of the sorry. It's there's a specific animal that comes up. So, like it's time for kangaroos ah, to have babies. Ah, okay. And so That's at that point, one of your kangaroos has a baby. If you yeah. happen to have enclosure, with it, well, one of your kangaroo pairs, the the mates. Yeah, you're right. Um. So. You, you get to make a baby, so it's a, it's a great way to make some extra meeples, and so they, they make the babies. Actually, I think it's one or two. That's how it is, and then there's some bonus ones. I think it's two. Consult the rules, because actually I think it's two. But anyway, yeah. so you make babies when it comes around to it. So that is how you either take enclosures. The other way to get animals other than making babies is that, again, there's spots where it lists two animals. If you go to that spot, you get one of each animal, and you must immediately place them in the enclosure if you have no room in your enclosures, or if like all of your enclosures maybe have room, but they all have other animals, so you can't mix enclosure. Like The kangaroos will go beat up the penguins. They have to go in separate enclosures, so if you don't have any enclosures, mm -hmm. you can't take that one. So that's how that goes. If an enclosure is completely filled up, so let's say you have an enclosure with four spaces and it's completely filled with animals, you will clear off all the things in that enclosure, all the animals in that enclosure. They go back into the supply, and you get to take one of those bonus, uh, excuse me, one of those bonus um, ride thingies, attractions. Mm -hmm. um, these are useful to fill in spaces because there's a bunch of one by ones. Because often, as you're playing a polyomino game, you might realize that you have run out of space. And you need to fill in the tiny little ones. And there aren't tiny little animal enclosures. So you need to grab some one by ones to fill in your space. Or there's a very few limited giant attractions. Like one really huge one and then they start getting smaller. So if you rush to fill up a whole enclosure, you might be the first person to take an attraction. Then you can take one of the giant ones and fill up a whole bunch of your board with those attractions. So there is, on the one hand, maybe a little bit of a rush to be able to grab all the big ones before they go. But if you don't place those appropriately, you may end up saying, I've, I've gone and used up all my enclosures to grab the big ones, and now I'm stuck having to fill in tiny little ones because I rushed and didn't do things well. And oops. Mm, that mm -hmm. So that is 
about it. You'll keep going and taking turns until you finish out until you finish out your board. And then the first one to finish out their board will win the game. If theoretically it's animal breeding, multiple people finish out the game, there's a tiebreaker, it is what it is. But theoretically, if you do it on your turn, stop the game and you win. Yay! When you're playing solo, the only difference is that you have these five markers, a zero, a one, a two, and a three, and a four. On your turn, I guess you take two turns, however it is, but yes. So after your turn, you have to move the elephant around the board based on one of those markers. So if you are deciding to use up your one, you have to move the elephant one. If you have to place it three, you have to move it three. And then it removes. if it lands on an enclosure, you must remove the enclosure from that space. So essentially it's kind of like an automa that you control. It's just stuff that you're, it's, it's creating, it's, it's, creating rarity in the game by having a second player take some of this stuff and you just sort of semi-control the second player, but you don't get it. But you have a restriction about where is the shoe can go. So you once you use one of those, it's flipped over and you have to have them all be flipped over before you have the ability to start using them up again. So if you want to rush the elephant around really fast, you, you can't really. So there's a certain amount of restriction for what choices you have, and as it gets later in that five-round set, you will really not have any choice about what is that the opposing the Otama is able to do. Similarly, the other one, again, when you fill up your whole board, you win, and your goal is to, I suppose your goal is to go as fast as you can. Um, there is an official timer, which is you want to finish it before the board gets all the way around twice. Um, and then you have to keep track of what happens after that and how far you get after that. I, I never do. <laughs> I don't do such things. I just play and enjoy my game, I suppose. But yes, that that is theoretically how you're supposed to play. Okay. So that is the entirety of the gameplay. Okay, it sounds it sounds pretty simple. Yeah, in terms of my thoughts, it is a relatively simple game. It's easy to understand how to go. There's not a whole lot to it. You keep moving around the board. You grab a thing. You put on it. I think probably the only the the most difficult thing is going to be the babies being born. That again, that there's every time you go around once, all of the animals are going to have a birth phase. Once it interrupts everything else and gets it done. The first time you introduce it to some of the, the, you have to sort of walk through how to do it. But like after that, everyone's gonna be like, "All right, give me my animals, blah, 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 on board." Everyone grab the stuff they want to move on past things. And so, like, if that's the most complicated part of it, you're golden. It's not a particularly complex game. The game is easily understandable, but there's a fair amount of decision making. I think I've commented maybe a hundred times. I enjoy games that make me feel smart. This one makes me feel smart. Being able to assess your board, figure out what you need, start making out a plan, start executing on the plan, figuring it all out. The Otama in this game is not random. It's not flip over a board and take a random thing. You get to control the Otama. So when you're playing solo, you get to choose what 
what messes you up. Something's going to mess you up. Something's going to take something you want. You get to have control over that, and it's your decisions that lead you to where it is that you get to. So all of that is really good, really powerful. You get to choose how to lay out your board. You get to be the most efficient. If you mess it up and you're like, oh, man, I've left open this one-by-one space, that was you. That's on you. You did that. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, no one else to blame other than you about the fact that you messed that up. So don't mess that up next time, I suppose, is the best advice that can be given. Last week when we were, when we were talking, you, you said how much you, you've been enjoying towel-laying games. This is a little bit of a towel-laying game. You said it's a polyonimal game. Are you getting that kind of enjoyment out of this game? doesn't seem yeah. like that's – okay. I'd say the majority of it, it, the filling in the spaces is all part of the polyomino because there's a tension between wanting to get big stuff and little stuff. Little stuff allows you to be able to recycle your animals and use those animal spaces efficiently to be able to get more attractions. But big stuff helps you fill out your board. So you kind of want to start off with the little stuff, which is good because the little stuff is on top. It's the first thing that's going to go. But then as you get that engine running, you start to fill in your big spaces. Now, in the big spaces, you're usually going to be stuck having you know a couple animals that are just sort of growing and doing things. Like it could end up that all of your kangaroos are on the big spaces. And so every time it comes around, kangaroos get birthed. You're like, yay, that wasn't <laughs> the one I needed. And because those are the ones on the big spaces, you really want to fill in your small ones. And so there's that sort of push and pull there's the decision making but that's utilizing the polyominoes there's not a space placement feeling to where you fill it that all feels like it's in the polyomino so it does very much feel like a polyomino game what you were commenting that i think about this last time i don't have a sense of feeling like hey i built this thing i i made it because mm-hmm. it's there's not a lot of points interplay between it what you do is you manage to fill your board the board is then filled with green the board when you're done with it doesn't look particularly cool it's not like hey i did this it it, the board doesn't again it's not blowing me away because it's there i was just efficient in using my space gotcha okay so that's why that's why it didn't come up in that discussion (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's and that's what i thought it i mean it sounds like it's fun but it doesn't sound like you're getting that same sense of building that you got from the other one yeah, those the, are those yeah, were yeah. building the tableau, building my personal, building my environment is what I got yeah. from those ones. This one, I'm not building my environment. I'm building, I'm, I'm using a polyomino to fill my space. Like I wouldn't have said the same thing about Isle of Cats, which also is another polyomino that you're filling your space. So, and I think Isle of Cats has a lot more attractive presence to it. The cats are much more adorable, but the polyomino aspect of this game is, is very good. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, that sounds like a good game. Sounds like you recommend it. You've talked primarily about the solo experience. It doesn't sound like the multiplayer is that different anyway. Oh, yeah. The multiplayer is almost identical. That's that's yeah. why I was able just to go straight in the solo. <laughs> yeah. and the multiplayer, okay. just there isn't the solo moving things along. There's another player moving things along. And so I, I can't control them. And so sometimes I will get sniped. Sometimes I will take things. And that's just, you know, that's how you have to deal when you're playing multiplayer. Like, gross. Other people. Yeah. Taking things messing and up my plans. stuff. And I have to wait for them to make decisions. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess if you wanted to play multiplayer, you could play this game multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, but it messes up with the, the, the symmetry and the the planning and all. Yeah, just, exactly. Then I have to take attractions that I wouldn't take if I were playing solo <laughs> because I'd know what I was doing. Um, I have played it a bunch of times multiplayer with my family. They do enjoy it. Yep. It is a game that they have figured out how to play well. My, my wife understands it and these days we play it, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd say it works pretty well multiplayer. Other than the aforementioned problems, yeah. Yes, other than the aforementioned <laughs> problems about, you know, babies, uh, it's a very fast amount of babies and a very limited amount of babies here, but okay. Yeah, well, you know, kangaroos. Something like that. All right, Julius, uh, I think the zoo is closing. Indeed. Maybe, Maybe that's it for this week. Sounds good. Put the little put all those little animals to rest. Sounds good. All right. Have a good night, everyone. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.